0: Magic Con Vegas, baby! Next on Eternal Dirtles.
1: Hello, and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Phil Blackman. Phil, how's it going, man?
0: Zach, I'm broke, I'm drunk, I'm laid out, I have nothing to do with myself, <laughs> and uh, I think that's it. That's all we got today.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to go talk about our experience at Magic Con Vegas uh, the good, the great, the excellent, um I don't really feel like there were any I had any bad times per se you know like there wasn't anything that, that was a complete feel bad for me do you, do can I mean, you uh, is there anything yeah, you I can mean, think of uh, for,
0: for on your end you did have to hang out with me all weekend which you know <laughs> is uh, is unfortunate for you uh I mean man the highlight is who who doesn't love pancakes we had pancakes I feel like every day uh for the whole time I I, I do have some takeaways uh that uh, you know are somewhat in, informative for Uh, us legacy folk (laughs) that, uh, you know, we can get into once we get to, uh, the, the chats and stuff. Uh, but we did do two panels. Uh, one was a history of the PT, which I thought was really interesting. Super Uh, informative. Yeah. Not only informative, but it was just like, it was a nice fun trip down memory lane. Like thinking back to like, you know, you know, all the back in my day stuff. It's exactly that panel. Like, I didn't know that the PT in 2005 or 2006 or whatever was held in the Louvre. Like yeah some dope, right? Like yeah we're over here. I'm over here used to thinking that, like, oh no, we gotta go <laughs> to King of Prussia in in <laughs> in Philly and you know, the, nothing around but fast food chains. And
1: then I'm hearing, you know, fifteen years before they were going to the literal Louvre. Yep. Yeah. Uh I mean, I remember wow. uh in nineteen ninety nine, uh this was Pro Tour Nemesis. Uh we were at the armory in New York City, New York City proper, you know. Uh it was my, it was lot. one of my first times in New York City, so uh it was a big it was a big deal for me.
0: Zach, you want to hear a fun story? Hmm. Okay, so That's what we're the here first for, right? my my first time you, you know me. I've I've been known to cast the Jace the Mind Sculptor now and again, right? The first time I got Jace the Mind Sculptors was at uh an event in a hotel uh, across the street from uh mm-hmm. I guess I, not. Uh, Port Authority. What's the train station? Uh, that would have been Penn Station. P- Penn Station. Right across from Penn Station, there was a hotel, and they were holding a magic event. And this was back during like the height of Cobblade, right? And that was where I I first bought my, uh, m- or I first bought my initial Jace the Mind Sculptor. Uh, and I remember that event because I I didn't know what I was doing. It was standard. I had I had no recollection reference as to what was good outside of like cards i yeah. didn't own right i knew Cobble was good but i wasn't yet a, a diehard control mage and i brought infect to that event dude og infect and you want to know how my day went did it go bad well my opponent did the classic <laughs> i played a thing that doesn't have an etb value anything and then he just jace bounced it and that was it that was the yeah, whole game
1: that was the game back when jace was good <laughs> Bro, you hold your tongue. Yeah, that's
0: true. Jay sucks now.
1: Yeah, it's not a lie. Um yeah, uh so our yeah, so the the Pro Tour history one was pretty good. I felt like for me it's always like cuz I'm such a grognard, I, like I always want them to spend more time on the early stuff, especially like I I know Worlds technically isn't the Pro Tour, but like it all feeds into that stuff and like the OG like they did touch a little bit on like ESPN 2 uh like aspect and like when ESPN two was a thing and that was cool, like Mike Torian went into talking about that and that that was a lot of fun. To me, like that yeah. early stage of Magic the Gathering where we're like people didn't even know how to really cover the game. And like, you know, Hasbro's paying uh ESPN two the deuce uh to uh to do the uh yes. to do the uh coverage and they've got like guys like that probably like did like college football to like do the coverage. I might be wrong. I'm going to have to look back at that. Eventually like uh I have the tape for the fir- for uh Worlds 96, which was like the first one that they had on video. Uh I'd love to like take that and transfer it to uh digital so that you and I can like commentate on it, which would be really you, fun. You,
0: you know what I realized is that the difference between how like the high end pro scene of magic is now versus what it was then there were multiple factors that that uh, session that that panel uh, highlighted for me. Like you know, they didn't specifically say it, but it like made me realize that part of the reason that uh, like when we were coming up in the game, why it was so important and influential for us, even if we never actually got there, was the aspirational aspect of being able to get on the train. Of course, yeah. everybody remembers that feeling. But the thing that I recognized based on the way that they were talking about the past pro tours or major grand prix that had significant impact on like player races and stuff. When we were watching the world championship, we do top eight again. Congrats, Reed. Yep. He's a friend of the pod. Uh, he had a great run. Uh, they were talking about how Reed was in his quarterfinal match. And if he won, he would be player of the year. And if he lost Simon Nielsen would be player of the year because he had just won his match. Yeah. Now that was the first time I had heard about the player of the year race this year at all. Yeah, In any meaningful way, right? That was it. It was like when it was being decided. So there was no drama as to whether or not it was going to happen other than like, I was hoping Reed would win. But what the panel reminded me of is everybody was like, oh yeah, I remember Grand Prix, this place, in this place, we traveled the world, we did all this stuff. And then there was weekly coverage. And the difference between not having weekly coverage and not having events in person, right? That changed the whole paradigm of like, whether or not we care about stuff. I realized that like the game itself is important. Yes. Yeah, the game we're following, but like, if there wasn't coverage of those games, we would just not know yeah. like, back then. If there was no coverage, we would not have followed it at all.
1: Well, I think, I think another funny thing about that is the, the amount of static that's out there just about magic altogether, which is not a bad thing. Obviously, like we're, we're some of that static, Um But back in the day, like, there wasn't a video coverage or video podcasts or anything like that. I had to, you know, they're over here on the shelf. I had to read uh, Scry, Inquest, and uh, and Duelist Magazine to see what was happening, right? So I would, or I'd get the video later on that was, you know, like, that was how I'd find out about the the Pro Tour and about what happened and about what stories they were pushing and stuff. And Mm. uh, I think what's really wild is being at these events cuz I don't think I've ever been to a worlds before but being at these events there's so much going on right and when you're in the event like when you're there at the event we were playing at worlds we were just hanging out uh doing all sorts of other stuff when you're there all the news of the event just flies right by you you're not even pay- like there's just too much to pay attention to and to to only pick up on the news that wizards is putting out there and not be like you know, on the street doing things like checking out the con itself is, is almost a waste of time. So I find out, like, I find out that there's a bunch of Lord of the Rings cards finally got spoiled and like, there's a Dr. Who card. And now we've got, uh, Dr. Ian Malcolm is on a, uh, is on a magic card. And there's a trans source Rex on a magic card. So all that I found out like at night when I, when we went back to the diner and like hung out uh, at our hotel.
0: It is true that if when you go to these cons, if anybody goes to them in the future, any of the stuff that they share, uh, like new uh, releases and stuff, you are more likely to know about it if you're not at the con than if you're at the con. Yeah. Because it's not like they announce it to the whole con. It's like in one section. Yeah. So, you know, when, when you see it online, like if, if people had messaged us about like, you know, hey, did you see the new spoilers and the new treatments or whatever? We were like, what? What are you talking about? Uh, but
1: uh, yeah, shout out to our Discord that, who was keeping us in, involved with all that stuff.
0: <laughs> tangent on the idea of where you were saying that there's so much going on. It was my first time going to a major convention that wasn't um eternal format focused, right? or even was, a tournament,
1: right? Like, I mean, you've been to grand prix that are like modern before, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, essentially, yeah. It's like more so that it's like this is clearly like an EDH event, and there happens to be the World Championship as like a side thing. like the world championship was like on the second floor all the way in the back like you would not walk by the world championship you had to actively be like i'm going toward the world world championship if you wanted to see those matches or or i didn't go
1: to the world championship once during the entire weekend like we just knew that it was happening
0: yeah exactly because it was out of the way which you know i think is on purpose but like at the same time, it was like the world championship of Magic the Gathering, and it was not the center focus of this con, right? Yeah. Like very clearly organized play was not at the forefront of this thing. It was much more like you walked in, the first thing you saw was miles and miles of casual play tables. The one thing that I learned from our second panel, which was a Q and A with like Aaron Forsyth and Melissa de and like uh, other people at WOTC, uh, we have uh, some shots from us asking questions that we'll splice into this episode. Yeah, we'll,
1: we'll toss we'll, those uh, right here. Hello. How are you doing? Zach Clark from the Eternal Dirtles podcast. Um, the question I have is, uh, is really more based on the uh, next generation of game designers, and Magic is ostensibly a very analog game, and a lot, of, a lot of resources are out there for digital game designers. But if you're a guy like me who doesn't have much of a computer programming background, uh, what is Wizards doing to kind of cultivate a more analog game designer uh,
2: career path? A more analog game designer? Career path.
3: Career path.
2: Well, I mean, I would say within the building, like the vast majority of our designers consider themselves primarily analog game designers. Um, We are, most of the company can work hybrid, work remote. You know, since, since the pandemic, we've adopted that work style, but our game design teams are dedicated in the office all the time because we know just how much sitting around the table, physically manipulating the cards, um, is important. We have good online play testing tools. When we have to use them, we can. We can test remotely and all that other stuff. We, um, but how you process information is, is very different in a physical space where you don't have tool tips or a mouse over or a tutorial at your hand. So we, we have to make things work well for People playing without all without all the digital uh, accoutrement that that you're used to from all the awesome video games that are out there now, including Arena. So, we you know we're hiring folks that want to work physically, that want to work in the analog space, and you know all of the work that they're doing has to work. You know, almost I'd say 98% of the work we do is is analog first, and that gets translated to digital. We do some stuff for Alchemy and and whatnot on Arena, but that just basically is how we think of the game as we make it. It is it is. I'd say a purely purely analog experience. Like Melissa, can speak more to just how we how we play or whatever that that speaks to the f- the physicality of, of of how we treat the game.
3: Yeah, we just play in real life all the time. You know, we're in the office most of the week. Uh, we build decks out of paper cards. Uh, we play with each other physically. Um, I think it's really important to um, actually play paper games of Magic as opposed to games of digital Magic. So you can actually like. See the cards in play, kind of see, like, oh, this is really hard to track. I can't do this anymore. You know, this is like too much material on the board, or like, or this is too much complexity. So, like, that's something that we really look for, which was like really hard to do during the pandemic, specifically with something like the day night mechanic, where we play tested that only online. So, we didn't really get a good sense of uh, how difficult this was to actually play in paper. So, playing in real life is really important to us.
1: Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Step up.
0: Uh, hello, my name is Phil. Also of the Eternal Lords podcast. I'm going to give a shout out to the Legacy community. Uh, the Legacy community, or the Legacy format rather, is the one format where uh, cards from the Commander products can also be played in one v one. And I was wondering what the knobs are, what the essentially what's the process that goes on, if any, that balances cards that are played in four player versus cards that are played in one v one, such as things like initiative and things like that, and the mechanics of Designing for something where you expect it to survive three combat steps versus only a single turn cycle. What are the knobs that balance both commander versus 1v1 for specifically legacy, but in general as well?
2: Aaron, you want to start this one? I or think you this was one, one for Melissa. Melissa, yeah. start us off. Yeah, I
3: can probably take this one. Um, so, first and foremost, these cards that are commander legal are for commander. And generally, um, it's okay if they hit legacy, but that's not the goal. So some things that we do to uh, make sure that things are balanced in Legacy is first we do have Legacy experts in the building come in and uh, do a pass of the set and let us know hey if there's something up um, and if there is maybe that's fine maybe it's it's a cool card that'll add a lot of like fun spice to Legacy. Uh, other things that we think about are like we actually like take into consideration things like each opponent versus target opponent, you know because. Sometimes each opponent scales tremendously in Commander, and it's like inappropriate, you know. So, like, there are knobs like that that we look at all the time. Um, and another thing is, Commander cards are often played in cubes as well. So we do think about these cards in terms of like, hey, what if we want to put this in Magic Online on, on the Vintage cube? Is this appropriate in that sense? And uh, casual constructed is usually played 1v1. So these are things that our team is thinking about all the time, of like how to balance Commander versus. 60 card
2: yeah i'll I'll just chime in and say i think you brought up the initiative um that was one i don't think we had our heads around for for one on one 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 v one legacy like i just don't think that was on our radar as how that was going to play out like we had thought about other cards in that product like minsk and boo i think you know is really powerful with a pretty cool card and we we had understood that that was going to probably be good enough to show up in older formats but yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, when you're not thinking about a problem, you don't think you need to solve it. And how initiative played out beyond the commander draft format of of, of Baldur's Gate and then how it would be used building actual commander decks, there was not, that was not, um, I think that one just slipped by us, honestly. Do oh, you want to say we greatly appreciate all the work
0: that you do? Thanks Thank so much. you. Thank you very much. So one thing that I, I discovered from listening to this panel, and it's not that it, it's, it was something that I was clueless to before or that any of us were really clueless to before, but one thing I recognized for sure, based on how much of the the world around us was like arena, EDH, like all the focus put towards that, all the new releases put towards that. One thing it told me is that guys like us, anybody else in the legacy community, we are talking into the void, my guy, like none of the stuff we are doing to try and like push legacy in one direction or the other like. It we, it is so far down on Watsi's priority list to like yeah. even pay attention to that stuff. And you know, n- n- no fault to them. Like that. Yeah, th- I, th- clearly... I think it just
1: becomes apparent uh, when you look at the size of an event like this, where like everyone's playing casual games, you know, nothing's at stake. They're just ha- hanging out, having fun and buying cards. And like, you know, they're pushing the, the capital, the, the capitalism of the game is completely in a completely different direction than it was when, uh, you know, maybe we started. So
0: part of what I learned, and this isn't like, there's no knocking on Waxi here. Like they're, they're doing a lot of work and, you know, most of it is very commendable. The, the thing that I recognized when I asked my question, I essentially asked like, how do you balance between four player uh, versus 1v1 since legacy and for a less, to a lesser extent, uh, vintage are the only two formats that really get affected by the fact that like when you're designing for four player, it's really going to f- cup 1v1. How do you reconcile that in, in, des- in testing if you do anything at all? and i got some workarounds of like you know there are people that are behind the scenes working on testing stuff that'll like flag something if if it's too strong which you know it's like that sounds good in the moment but it's actually just a bunch of horseshit because like if there were legacy players in the room there's no way that any of them didn't just go you know okay if i put the initiative into play turn one what is the game like and go yeah let's let's roll with this and not make any adjustments you know what i mean yeah so it, it's like there, there's no way that like that is actually a a f a thing that is happening to a meaningful extent beyond things that like if they are, so much is slipping through, right? So much yeah. slips through. Now, to be to be fair to them, who knows how much stuff they are actually fixing and yeah. that's not getting to us? Given that like the stuff that we're getting is is as you know crazy powerful it is as it is because at this point we are for the most part you know commander one v one in legacy, yeah. right? But the, the, the other thing that I want to point out and all this, I I got, I'm, I'm listening to myself and it sounds negative. I I promise you it's not. I think there's a positive that I took away from that panel, which was if there's anything that we want legacy wise in the community, it's on us to do it. And I know we just had Rob on uh, the previous episode and he's, he's a prime example of like, just doing what you want to do. Right. Like organizing those types of events, fully proxied like exactly like watsy is not going to help legacy do any of that stuff we are we are so far down in terms of the things that they have to care about
1: you're getting eternal weekend and hard stuff you know
0: you're, you're getting eternal weekend which is like you know the the one toss here in the states and then there's one in europe and that's it right <laughs> and even then it's like, yeah, they're, they they support it to to some extent because they'll like you know have a painting or whatever or like an oversized card as like a win con. But then again, it's still like the turn the tournament organizer that's doing stuff, right? I mean, yeah. I'm not totally sure. But th- all that is to say, my takeaway from Vegas was that if if you if we want anything specifically done for Legacy, it's on Legacy players to figure it out. Watson's yeah. not going to do it for us. We, it, we can yell at them all we want. We can try and put another. Uh, sign, in, uh, sign in their parking lot or send them pizza saying, you know, ban whatever. But if there's anything in the future that legacy players want to do, it is going to be on us to proactively do it, not relying on hopefully Watsi eventually sees us and then maybe takes the time to maybe do something that maybe makes us feel better about maybe the thing that we're complaining about.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think another interesting point to take from your your question and the answers they gave was... You know they they certainly did answer your question, but the follow up to the question when Melissa De Toro uh, was was talking about uh, was was answering uh, after Forsyth uh, uh, spoke up was uh, they immediately was were like yeah we test for uh, cube as well cube is technically a one v one format uh, so there there is that but I, I I thought it was it was interesting that they even brought that up in the same breath. But be- I guess because it's a one v one format, and they're like, "Yeah, well, people put these cards into their cubes and stuff," and that's well, it's the- also a moto format. Cubes yeah. a moto
0: format, oh, and, yeah, and they, yeah. they 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 put. Uh, I mean, as an example of like where I'm like, "Okay, well, are you actually?" Because even after White Plume was banned in Legacy, they still put it in cube. Yeah, Which and then is, it was I, I think it's I think it's fine. Like it's not fine. It was miserable.
1: Yeah. Well. I, my my stance is like, and then beyond, beyond that, you know, you were saying like, how much stuff did they catch or how many, how, how, did, how much did they listen to these people, you know, flagging a card like white plume adventure is one thing, but then you have to get to a point where you're like, Hey, the marquee, uh, the marquee mechanic of your, of your set that has nothing to do with the format that we're testing for at, at present that you brought, you guys brought me on to test leg to test for legacy. I'm going to make a comment about it. You know, like the weight of me saying, like, "Hey, this is gonna ruin Legacy for two months." There's a definitive possibility they did catch it, and they were like, "Well, we don't care." I (laughs) I think it doesn't matter. You know, it's not it's not a big deal. That's not what the product is for. You know, like I think that's that's also a thing.
0: There was one thing that I know, like there, there was a little bit of a balancing act between when, uh, you know, Melissa was like, "Yeah, we have you know people that check on that. We also think about Cube. You know, we are thinking about." these cards in in ways when they do get to 1v1 but then forsyth followed up when you know he was like yeah you brought up initiative as an example you know there's a bunch of examples but i happen to brought up initiative in the moment and uh he was like yeah you brought up initiative and you know we were not testing that for 1v1 right yeah. like we just we, we were not doing it right and that's an example it, when, when he came out and you know i appreciate forsyth just being open about it right yeah. he was like yeah that's on us we did we just Friend did not show. test that at all you know um <laughs> Like I in in that regard because I remember when the that panel opened I knew that I was going to ask something along the lines of how do you balance four player versus one v one but at the same time I wasn't going to come out of come at it antagonistically yeah. you know like I was coming at it like genuinely like we would love to know like we would love some transparency to, like what is the process of making sure that like as the commander cards come in and are just objectively busted in one v one if you're designing them for four player like it is just going to inherently be more powerful what are the the, the knobs you turn and, you know, Foresight's just being like, look, we test, we're doing it. These cards are for Commander. They're not for Legacy. And, you know, we weren't thinking about Initiative for Legacy. That one's on us. Like, we, we let that one go. Yeah. And that, that struck to me. I was like, okay, if that's the case, then we, anytime, you know, when people were upset about Bowmasters or, you know, we're thinking about whatever, whatever. Because when he was like, yeah, we designed Minsk. And he was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is gonna see this is going to be powerful enough to see Legacy play. And I'm like, well, it's the best walker in the
1: game now. For what That's it's Oogledle. worth, you argued with me about whether or not people would play that because you said in a days meta. I remember th- this has come
0: up a bunch of times. We just have to pull that episode back up, yeah. Because I do I, the first thing I sent to you when I I have I, I will pull up the receipts and I will send them back to you to put to put yeah. in this episode. The receipts with uh, where I was talking to you and Nate in our text chat, and I I saw the card and I I was pissed that that card existed <laughs> because I was like i was like it's a questing beast every turn that draws cards and and shoots down permanents, right and can burn your opponent out i was like it's literally every single thing on a card and i was like i'm gonna lose to this so much and i hate it because it's 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 there's no there's no gate it's just free and then uh, we we, as we were talking off the ledge we were like oh yeah bolt on an etb it's a four mana planeswalker in days and you know the thing is at the time when i was like yeah maybe it won't see play it's because that's what i was hoping would happen i yeah. was hoping that it wasn't good enough <laughs> that's
1: i knew I remember it was bringing broken. up bolt specifically yeah
0: i i knew it was busted because i knew it was going to be busted against shit that i specifically play so i was like i'm going to lose this shit a lot so hopefully the ecosystem around it pushes yeah. it out that way i never actually have to interact with it i um, was
1: i know i specifically was super high on the card because i wanted i i've always wanted you were rug, like at the time. rug yeah. mid-range to become yeah, a yeah, thing yeah, yeah. you know like i wanted I wanted to have like a late game for, for rug. And after running six uh, went away, I was like, well, we need something, you know, I don't want to play Uro. You can, I guess, but like, I wanted something that would, that was like, you know, like you could have a Sultai mid range deck, you know, there are, there are black cards that like would bring you into that space, but there was really nothing in rug. You were, it was all tempo or nothing. You had to play stifle. Or you were just gonna just gonna lose. So I saw I saw Miskin Boo, and I was like, "This is this is the thing." But we should get back to talking about the con. Um, yeah. I, I,
0: well, the last thing I'll I'll say on on this one panel that you know I think influence, influence should influence us is as legacy players to some degree. And uh, this is also coming out of uh, me having played pre modern fairly recently and enjoying that format a lot. I know a lot of people are against like other new fixed formats or other new variant variations of legacy. People just want to play legacy and I get it. Cause that's who I am too. Uh, but I do think that there is, or, or should be space that we could explore as a community of, okay, if you don't want to play against, you know, the, or you, essentially if, if you are a player out there, that's like sort of soured on legacy in any way that, the WotC is not going to solve that problem, yeah. right? They're going to keep printing more powerful cards to make more coin. That's going to satisfy their biggest base, which is their EDH community. If if players are nostalgic for a, a, a former time, you know, I feel like and it, it's usually always brought up. It's like, oh yeah, 2016, 2017. Like we loved that time. That was a great time. And I was like, did we know? I, taxi- I hate the concept it- of
1: like the heritage format, though. Yeah,
0: it, it, that, that, right, right. So like Crucff. that's what I'm saying, though. Like. The, the Heritage format puts a or, or anything like it puts a really sour taste in somebody's mouth. But like what, what I've learned and, and I was too. Don't get me wrong. Like when Heritage was first, when was first like unveiled as like this potential new thing, I too was like, there's no way. Absolutely not. And then I tried pre-modern and I realized how much of a breath of fresh air that environment is. And I feel like there could be other ones that are similar to it, just a little bit further down the line, that's equivalent to like the legacy that we grew up in during the Grand Prix days as a way to like play something that we enjoy that's a little bit, you know, in that space without it being just totally botched by the I like think... insane power creep. That is, that, that, this is just me saying, Yeah. if, if, if that is, Watsi is not going to solve any problems that we think exist in the format. They're just not going to do it. That's not where their headspace yeah. is. So if, if we want to do that, then it's on the legacy community to do so. That's all. That's the only thing is that like, if you want to solve the problem or if a group of people in the legacy community would rather something different, it's on it's on you to put it together. It's Watsi is not going to come up with anything.
1: F- final point on that. Uh, for me to feel like I, that heritage is something I would want to do, we would have to move 20 years in the future. That's how I feel about that format. It's like, I'm not nostalgic for uh, Treasure Cruise Dover. You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't like uh, appeal to me at all. You know, like that, like the, the that, era appealed to me because of the people I hung out with and I like legacy like minus like having to deal with death shaman for a while like I pretty much have always liked legacy and I like it right now too you know like I think that uh the the people that want a heritage format are just not willing to pivot honestly uh but uh l- like I said like we we don't have to barrel down on, on heritage format I want to talk more about the con um yeah I sorry, I tangent to did it <laughs> Uh you know we I had that question uh which we played earlier about uh the uh the design aspect of the game which uh which I think didn't get answered great but uh if you want to see uh we we posted the full uh video uh where I took all the, I did all the video and we uh we have a better sound set up uh for it uh we'll put, pop that up here so you can see the whole thing and um uh, one of the cool things I think Phil about the whole the whole weekend was like Participation in like random things, just they give you a pack. Like they gave us a the, each a collector pack after that. Like that's a thirty dollars value that they just handed you. I didn't expect that, you know. Like it was just cool to have, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think like it, you can see at the cons, they're very free with their product. Yeah, product is like, just floating they, around. When we got they, that, they
1: are uh, yeah. When we we sat down for uh, that signing. uh Diana D'Amico came over and was like, Hey, here's a quarter of a box for you to just give out to people, you know, like that was really cool. And we got to sit down and like, you know, they, they really rolled out the red carpet for us. And it wasn't, it was un, an unnecessary rollout, I think for us in particular, but I think a lot of the other content creators really appreciated that. It, it was really cool. I I mean, I know I appreciate it, but it just felt like it felt like they were doing so much for us. That was, that was like, you know, this is not our event, you know, like if they want to do that for us for eternal weekend, rad. This is that's the place for us for sure. But um I I thought it was really cool the way that they like just treated all the content creators like with, with like absolute respect and like gave everybody a little bit a little moment in the sun and we're just like there for them. Shout out to the uh IHOP water station (laughs) they <laughs> had the entire time. MVP was the water, the water station.
0: The, the, the water and coffee station yeah. was the absolute nut. We need that every event we go to. Yeah, I, I that that one area. I want to say when we did our little meet and greet thing, I just want to thank the you know thousands and thousands of people that came out <laughs> that were like, "Yo, Eternal Dodos, we love you guys. You know, we appreciate you. Thank you." Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then and then we got to play on the uh, you know arena grand stage or whatever. Yeah, that was
1: ch- th- we did the challenge stage. Yeah.
0: We did the challenge stage where you could watch me and, and Zach battle it out against each other, and uh, he got what you got me two out of two out of three games, I think. Or you three, two crushed three me
1: after, after a while. Like we, we we settled into a rhythm where we both had had built our own decks because we we started out just like playing whatever was on there. we were like, wait, we can just like build anything. So I built Teamer Adventures, and you built some like blue white nonsense. I built mind splice
0: apparatus. Uh, witness the future inevitability combo.
1: Decklist below, I guess. Yeah, for I, I, I really
0: standard I, decks. I, <laughs> I, I I lost our last game because I was playing flow of knowledge. I guess which is, technically,
1: yeah, you did lose that last game. <laughs> draw, draw
0: draw cards equal to the number of islands you control, and then discard two cards. And mind splice Apparatus just makes essentially all, your entire deck free. So I was uh, I was effectively drawing my whole deck and then looping it back into my library and then drawing it over and over again in the same turn. And there was one turn where I you know accidentally drew more cards than were in my library, and Zach got that that nice win on the arena stage. Yeah, yeah, put me to shame.
1: Um. Yeah, that was super cool. Um, you know, I'm walking around. You know, one of the cool things was also we went, you know, we went to, uh, we just sat down and like played some Commander, played some uh, played some EDH with p- folks, which was rad. Um, and we, you know, sat down with Honorog uh, mm-hmm. and played a few games with Honorog, uh, some legacy matches with, with him. Uh, I, I got to play uh, competitive, uh, competitive CEDH, uh, was like the very first thing I did on Friday. Uh, with with some people who had like a battle box that was really cool. Um, and
0: you played then, you played Popper C D H too, right? Yeah,
1: that's that's right. That's what, Did I not say Popper? Yeah, yeah. Popper. You yeah. said
0: yeah, yeah. Popper C D H. Popper C D H. New yeah. thing. Neither of us had ever heard of.
1: Yeah. So the idea was like any uncommon can be any uncommon legend can be your commander. Um. So I they just handed me Abdel in like a blue background and I played like uh Abdel into like he would put mnemonic wall under him and paragon drake and yep. then uh i think i cast like g- ghostly flicker and uh you know like that that goes infinite so that was like a pretty cool thing to do um you know just as like learning the format and the guys the guys that were like uh running it and like you know handing out decks to people super cool like i we ran into clay like what four or five times during the weekend yeah, and it, that dude was just a breath of fresh air every time that's
0: the thing everybody who's at these cons everybody is just like so delighted and happy that you want to play cards with them although so we played a couple of cdh games and we also played some casual and it was the first time that i played casual ever i think uh i've never played casual cdh before and when we sat down and we were playing zach won with his watcher in the water uh deck where he drew his whole library with a lab man uh that was I remember with, uh, we were
1: with power dragon for that one
0: yeah, there there was a point in the game where I remember I was like, okay, there's enough cards on the board, like the board was like flooded, like I had a lot of stuff on it. And most of it was stuff I had either never seen or had forgotten about or never really interacted with in play at all. Like, of course, we've seen it in spoilers and stuff. But I like never interacted with these cards at all. And there definitely was a, a, a turning point where it was just the the meme where it was like, I'm not reading all that. But congratulations, <laughs> or I'm sorry that that happened. Like, yeah. I do, I'm like, if every CDH game gets to this point, I understand where EDH, it would like. EDH, EDH, you weren't playing CEDH. Not CEDH, yeah, no, CEDH, <laughs> you know all the cards. My bad, I didn't mean yeah. it, I misspoke. In EDH games, it's like, I can understand where it's like, if you aren't open to that experience of effectively just being like, it could you could you could have replaced the ED, the regular EDH, casual EDH game with literally any board game in the world and had somewhat of a similar experience yeah. in that like, you know we're just hanging out we're talking we're chatting whatever it's like the game is definitely an afterthought for the most part yeah until you're like i'm gonna make 426 tentacle tokens and then draw my whole library and everybody's like sweet dude, great. yeah all right man <laughs> we'll see you later you yeah. know like that's that was that's the whole thing and it was it's, it's very different from a, a competitive environment but then when we played cedh it, even though it was competitive it was still in a, a casual sense I got, uh, Zach loaned me his Krok Sakashima deck, which I didn't know was a competitive deck. I didn't know that like Kark was in a competitive deck, but it just scales. Like the deck itself scales. Like you go multiple times over where you're like, I'm going to flip coins to like the 16th power or whatever. And it's like, all right, you aren't deterministic, but you're theoret- theoretically deterministic. You and were at a point where Zach-
1: if, if you flipped one coin, you were flipping 16 coins.
0: Right, and for you Zach, there's a, there's a there's a there's a there's a there's a big app for you that is going to help you with that deck that I learned about this past legacy uh, local that I was at. Apparently, there's a, a site something called the Croculator. which is <laughs> that's great. Which is just exactly what you think it is. Yeah, it's a calculator specifically for your Clark CDH deck. That's amazing. That will tell you the odds. So rather than having to flip the coins, you can just press the button. It will tell you whether or not, like, what the percentage of you are that you're going to be deterministic or whatever. And it's like, well, that's a delight. You know that people had to put in put in some work. I feel like you have to
1: you have to like program that, but like put it in like a plastic, like you know, like the the math guy like plastic calculators, right? Like, so you can just be like boop 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 um yeah so that stuff was super fun and then we went on a hunt for alters i want
0: before we get into the altar hunt i want to like the the, shout out to the cdh community for like dying by their own mantra man the uh, the cdh community all i ever hear when i listen to content about cdh they're like you play whatever the you want there is no rule zero here we are all stepping up knowing that we're trying to kill each other and then there was one turn where i was just effectively going off for like 10 minutes 15 minutes or whatever and but like because it's Clark, it's not deterministic like i could miss on like six flips in a row or whatever so we just sat there and then i i was telling the two guys who we had literally just met and i'm literally masturbating on the table right like i'm taking all of the time doing all this stuff over and over like i am looping but it's not actually deterministic and i was like guys do you want me to just like display the loop and like you know we can call this game and like you know it was was a good time whatever and they're like no 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 like You could miss, you could miss, like you should keep going. And and no one
1: was complaining or anything either. They were just like, no, do it. No
0: one was, like I was literally taking so many game actions to the point where I was like, I feel weird that I'm the only one playing at the table. (laughs) And then at a certain point, I'm like, guys, I'm just going to go deterministic like at this. Like now it's to, you know, it's times, it's 16 coins for every roll. Like they're like, "Mm, okay, okay. Maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe you're right here. (laughs) Maybe it's time. Maybe it's enough time. But it was crazy because I remember you were also like, yeah, guys. Like, I think he. I think Phil's got it, and then they were like, "No, no, no." I think I don't think he could get it really there. And then you were like, "All right, Phil, just keep going, man." Like you do. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "I was like, okay, I'll cast this Jessica's will for the six hundredth time this turn." That's you know, so I I I want to shout out those guys because uh that was the moment where I was like, "They are doing nothing, right?" At this table, they are doing nothing. They have not taken any game action in almost twenty minutes, and they're still having a blast. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I would have conceded a half hour ago. I would have conceded so much earlier, sooner. And I, I could tell that they were just like, no man, like we got this. This yeah, is what we're here, funnily here for. enough, yeah. It's like, we're, we're here to watch this happen. I was like, okay guys, like, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing but we're in it
1: together. Yep. Yeah, uh, Yeah. and uh, you know, while, while, before we go into the, the altar hunt, I want to give a, a shout out to all the creators that we met. You know, uh, Joel from Jake and Joel, Power Dragon, awesome. It was really awesome to meet him in person. Um, you know, Joe Cherries, uh, helped, helped us get out there. That was really, that was really awesome of them. Uh, I hung out, uh, the, the day after the con, uh, we did a little gambling with a uh, veggie wagon and MTG nerd girl, which was, which was a, a real blast. Um, the night before then we got dinner with, uh, Bosch and Thraben Yu. Yep. That was, and that was, that that was that super was blast. fun. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was just really cool. So like I said, we're, we're one of the smaller content creators there and it was really cool uh to hang out with everybody but also to like not feel like i was wasting anyone's time by like not being like cool like big a big enough drawl like everyone was just like yeah man let's talk magic the gathering you know like n- no one was like oh you're too like what how many followers do you have you know like it there was, was super zero, cool to zero like, dick measuring yeah. yeah there was none of that it was really cool and everybody that we talked to uh was super into like being like yeah like anything you need like hit me up like i'm dead like it's all about like the ri- the rising tide helps all boats. Like it was it was a really cool experience to hang out with all the other content creators and see that like everybody's just out there to like make make the space better for it, all the other people there.
0: Yeah, regardless of how big a channel is, everybody was sort of just like no like everybody for somehow still had like a very clear image of themselves in the new creators space yeah right before they had a big following or it was their you know full-time gig or whatever like it seemed clear that everybody was like, "Oh, I remember when I was starting and how difficult it was." And you know, I remember there, there was I think it was Light who you were talking to yeah. where you were like, "You know, I'm I'm just like I'm he like just started up his own thing and he's like I'm trying to get over the hump and you're like, "Dude, we just got over a 1000, like you just got to stay consistent with it." Blah, Talk blah, to blah. Me. And he was yeah. like, "Yeah, yeah, I think you're right." You know, and it's like this is somebody who, who worked inside Watsley. like if you were starting a channel, like saying like, "I worked there <laughs> on your resume is a pretty good starting point," you know. Um and it, it seemed like everybody just
1: no, nobody had gotten too big for the britches, you know. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, it was great. So let's talk about uh, the the vendors and, and looking for altars and stuff. This is
0: when I go to these big conventions. This is this is what I do as the altar guy. I go to every single vendor and I'm like, Hashtag "Do you have altars? <laughs> do you have altars? I want to see what you got if they have any. Most of the time, they don't have anything because vendors don't really value altars. Now, when you go to Eternal Weekend, when you get to like the old school guys, like there's usually like that is a, a you know, collector sort of thing. You see a lot more al- alters at, at things like Eternal Weekend. Uh, so I'm, I'm way more aggressive in those spaces. But in these spaces, it's like, do you, do you not, whatever. Sometimes they'll be like, we got these. What do you think? And it's stuff you don't want. And you're like, these, these look good, but I don't want them. And it's like, but thanks for showing me. And then there's sometimes where you hit a treasure trove and you're like, hell yuck, yeah. And I think we spent a good portion of both days that I was there Uh, altar hunting and then there there was one vendor in particular where they were like "Yep, we have these altars over here comes over just rows of unglued uh basic lands uh altered excellent it's like they it's like
1: they knew you were showing up
0: and the thing what's nice about uh, a bunch of uh, vendors too is that when it comes to alters on cards for vendors, and this is why I like altar hunting, is it feels sort of like a little treasure hunt, right? Like you get a nice dopamine hit when you find something that you're like, oh, this is great. Is because they don't actually value the altar at anything for the most part. And if they do, it's like a very, very subtle markup from whatever the card is worth. Uh, because th- in their minds, they're like, this is a damaged card. Like nobody's gonna want this thing. Yeah. But if you're somebody who likes alters, it's awesome. And so they like the, the if what was it? You got a smoke stack.
1: I got a Smokestack and, and an Anka Mishra.
0: And an Anka Mishra, And I got a curse Totem at a vendor. And they didn't price the altar at all. They were like going They were like like like, going to charge you the price of the card. Yeah. But they charged it at whatever the near mint price of a card is. Yeah rather than a heavily played or damaged version of the card, which is what most vendors do. So they essentially value the altar in whatever the difference is between heavily played and near mint. And yeah. when you can find those vendors with good stuff, that feels like a treasure, a treasure trove catch. So when it came to these unglued lands, I was like, uh, you know, I don't know how many it was. It was like 20 lands or something. And they were like selling them for like the price of, you know, basic lands. And I was like, I want all of them. And he was like, what? And I was like, I would like both rows, please. Yeah. And he was like, you want all of these? And I was like, I sure do. And he just counted them up. We exchanged cards. And, uh, what a delight. What a, what, 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 what that was, that was the thing that you hope that happens at every single big convention one goes to, at least if you're the altar guy like me, I hope anybody who has like their own thing that they love to collect, whether it's like a certain kind of, um, you know, uh, variation of a card or a particular kind of collector's edition of some kind or whatever, uh. That when you go to cons that you get to have those kinds of experiences because yeah it you was know, really it's really cool it's a, it's a lot of time walking around and you don't hit very often, but when you do it's a memorable moment and Here. you know
1: so i don't know if you have yours on you or near you, but I have the here's the Anka of mishra uh that that I got, which is pretty 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 cool nothing like this isn't amazing, but like you know five bucks it's a nice little piece for like a you yeah. know a Punisher pod, but this uh smokestack, uh, yeah, look how clean I, I, that is. I, I love that. That's that, that's super fun. And uh, you know, if I ever play smokestack in like a CEDH deck or whatever, it's nice and you know, it's the, all it is is just extended art all the way out. R- really nice. But
0: but what's cool about those things is like, you know, anytime you have something like that, you're gonna every time you play the smokestack, you're gonna be like, Oh yeah, this is the smokestack that I got when Phil and I spent, you know, X hours hunting at Las Vegas. Yeah, exactly. You know? And it's like not, that, 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 now it's that that's got a story experience. Yeah. That experience is forever ingrained into that card you know and it's like it, it sort of levels up the card it levels up the experience which is you know the point of altars. whenever i play uh like whenever somebody is like uh watching 90s or, or, or mtg or whatever and they see my alters whenever there's a comment where they're like man i don't like phil's altars," like phil's altars i think are pretty bad or they're like oh man i can't believe he would waste so much money they're just like throwing up cards like that and i'm like for, for anybody who collects The cards aren't for the audience the cards are for you you know i also the cards for me and then it's nice if somebody else enjoys them so i i i hope that anybody who listens finds the thing that they enjoy too whether it's cards in foreign languages uh whether it's uh you know mismatched cards in your decks like whatever it is that gets you off man like i i hope you are able to have fun with it and that there's a a place for you to try and find those hidden gems like i got to
1: yeah um, so once we did that, we we, we hooked up and uh, hung out with uh, uh, MTG propaganda, uh, propaganda MTG uh, Monroe for a little while. B- oh, BS dude, with Monroe. So we got to tell the story about what Monroe
0: showed. What Monroe showed us. We call we go up to his booth on day two, and he's like, "Guys, I have something that I don't think you're ready for." And Zach and I look at each other Show and us. we, yeah. we, we, we both thought we were ready. And, and, you know, to, to a degree, we didn't know exactly what we were agreeing to, but he's like, hold on one second. He goes into the back of his little cubby. He comes back out and he lays in front of us, the original Umazawa art. Like in, Umazawa, in the Tetsuo
1: Umazawa, not like Umazawa the, Jite, yeah,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tetsuo Umazawa, like the, the legend card. Right. Yeah. And he's like, this is the original art. And it has the authentication on the back with the signature from the, from the artist, And it was just like open, not framed, like exposed to the world. And I was like, are we, are we looking at some MTG history right now? Yeah, and you can tell cool. Pro, like prop was like very clearly ecstatic. He's like, I think I have to get this tattooed on my body now. And I was, we were both yeah. like, yeah, I guess you do. Like what else yeah. are you supposed to do now? Uh, it, the, like what kind of ex- an experience that is to be like, you know, you go to these places and you just see, magic history man like yeah. that was that was i I've, I've i've only ever cast that card in mtg brawl in between <laughs> masters of legacy at the local but like for, for some reason seeing the art in person you're just like when you see something that classic in the game you're just like holy like the weight of the game is just in front of you you know yeah. what i mean i don't know how else to convey it but like you see the, it's like it's literally just a painting on a piece on a piece of paper right it's like not it's not if, if you don't know the weight of it after the fact you just be like okay yeah cool it's like it's a painting whatever yeah but you know knowing knowing the weight that it's had on the game since you're like holy shit i am looking at the you know a van gogh here you know yeah uh
1: yeah th- that that was super cool i you know we, we we wandered around to a lot of vendors and looked at a bunch of different stuff my like ooh, look at that from the weekend was uh finding the micropros uh like magic the gathering chandelier game from like 1994 oh, yeah. That was yeah. cool to be like, "Oh, there you go, that, that guy's got that. bro th-
0: there was some history. there was th- the booth they were selling old MTG merch from like yeah, that's right. Grand Prix, like and Pro tours, like back in like the late '90s, early 2000s and stuff. two hundred dollars for a T-shirt from those little things,
1: <laughs> yeah, so but that you know it's not like you know they're not making those anymore. no, 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 yeah. I get it, yeah.
0: I'm just like man anybody who uh saved your pro tour merch from back in the day they have uh they have scaled like duels yeah so It's ho- funny you' not
1: paid when i when I was leaving on Sunday n- night at the very end they were handing out posters, and I was like, I don't wanna have any more random crap on me yeah, yeah and then like walking out, I was like, you know in twenty years that poster's gonna gonna be like you know <laughs> like four hundred dollars or something uh but yeah, and you have I- to hang on to it but yeah, so we saw a couple like we 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 did an interview with uh the Daybreak crew from uh MTGO Oh, Uh and uh uh Turbin and uh and uh Ryan uh hooked us up with a really cool interview. So hopefully uh they 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 recorded it and did all the sound and everything and we can talk about how great that was. Um but uh so we're hoping to have yeah. that soon. We'll have that up on on the channel very soon.
0: Shout out to Torbin and the rest of the Daybreak guys cuz you know, they were they were great. They were very helpful. And like, yeah. we got we even got some like, uh, audio insight on like, you know, new mics that we should pick up yeah. from the cast from Torben. And it was just like super cool. He's just super Yeah, it was just super open and chill. And like, they were happy to talk. And like, I know that you had a, a good combo with Brian. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Ryan from Daybreak and they, they they laid out like plans and stuff. And it was like, yeah dude like it was funny because moto seems like it's in good hands
1: yeah well we walked in because you know they they had offered the i think the day before they had offered to like do an interview with us and i was like okay like let's like let me figure out how to frame this you know i was like okay well they've got this new thing uh vintage jumpstart which is really cool and i wanted to frame the interview like that and and so I kind of threw Phil to the wolves because I thought I was going to have to set up all the all the uh, mics and everything. And, and Phil was like, I, I don't know if I'm ready to just jump in on this interview. And I was like, oh, crap, I don't know if I'm ready to jump on to in this interview. So we sat down and, like, it was like butter, man. Like, Ryan just took it away. I was just like, hey, tell us about XYZ. And he was like, on it. And and I think Mike Turbin said to you, uh, sorry, sorry, I think Turbin said to you, uh, uh, it's just two legacy players hanging out and talking
0: yeah yeah well and also like the tech that uh, that they had there like it, he torben had like these mics that essentially like suppressed all of the noise around anything other than the person talking into the mic and so like it was a loud con like there's a lot of people there's a lot of noise going on it's not like these interviews were taking place in like you know soundproof booths yeah. it was you know we were uh, in the back of my own mind i'm like yeah we'll have to edit this like we'll edit normally anything and then uh pulls me over he's like dude check this out he's like showing me the sound waves of like the the mics just editing themselves in the moment as you're talking into them yeah it was just like this is so dope like they they, like you could just tell that they were prepared for a convention right they they brought tech that was like we are going to optimize our time because we're not going to have to spend any of the editing noise out these are the mics that are meant for this environment and they're just going to handle it for us and then we listen to it afterwards Crispy clean, crispy clean. It was clean. amazing.
1: So uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for you guys to get to see uh, that interview because I think that it gave a lot of really cool insight into what the daybreak daybreak crew goes through, and uh, and just you know the fact that like they're all you know it's a it's a format sorry it's a format it's a platform that's basically for legacy players right that 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 they're keeping that around for people like us that that play legacy right that want to that want to enjoy a digital version of the game but the truest version of, of, that, and modern, of that game, you and know, modern. and modern, you know, of course, you know, but, but like, you know, eternal the idea players, is yeah. like eternal players, right? So it was really cool to, to hang out with them and get sort of uh, an insight into the, into the mind, you know, cause they, they're very passionate about, about what they're doing, which is really cool.
0: That was, if if there's one thing to take away is that like, you know, the, the all of anything where it's like magic's dying, the death of magic, like that's just absolute nonsensical noise. Yeah. Like. I I left the con thinking like I'm I, this this game will very 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 clearly outlive me, which is fantastic.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think I, I don't think I've ever felt better about the game than than dur- during that con and just being like, wow, look at like look at how good the gathering is doing, you know? Like, and there was
0: there was just one thing that speaks to that at the panel with the Q and A, uh, Alex Pasteki who was there, and he asked the question, and he was like, you know, how do you guys uh, calibrate for power creep? Like, how do you not you know essentially use up all of the space to you know essentially like to the point where you just obsolete a game the same way that like many a game has come and gone from you know succumbing to power creep that like just blanked a bunch of cards and Forsyth answered he was like look man like I think the design I've I've over my years I've come to accept that the design space is infinite and if that is true which I believe that it is then whether we are aggressive in in power creeping cards or we're conservative with power creeping cards infinite is infinite and there will be infinite space to play in yeah. so like we'll never run out because there will always be there's always space to move in because the engine is so robust that you know we just don't have to worry about it and like we're conscious not to like make it an experience like a poor experience for people but in terms of like how far we can push the needle he's like there's 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 no there's no boundary that is is uh, that we have to like be concerned with in terms of like,
1: will we, or will we not run out of ideas? Yeah. So let me think of what, what the other, other big things from the con were. So you, so again, uh, we, you know, we did the dinners and whatnot. We'd go back to the hotel, we'd crash, wake up, go to the con. And then, uh, on Sunday you, you were out like, Oh, so Saturday night I went to, uh, Phil had a mix up with his, with his badge and bought the Wood Wisdom thing, which is the Elijah Wood, like, dance party thing. Um, and uh, so that that gave me a chance to uh, go to that because Phil was going to wake up in the morning on Sunday and didn't want to, like, have to, you know, juggle that. So I went to that. It was fine. Um, you know, I, I was hoping to get a chance to, like, hang out, meet Elijah Wood or something like that. That didn't happen. Um, but it was really cool hanging out with people. I hung out with Anurag. I hung out with, uh, with Russell from uh, one of our Patreons. Uh, which was really cool. It was really great. Uh, it, it's just awesome meeting people that like listen to the cast. It's it's like super fun to like just bullshit with people and uh, and get a chance to like see that you know what we're doing actually affects people in some way. It's not just like you know numbers on a chalkboard. We yeah, it's really cool to see uh, that that like people you know we're affecting. We're we're at least giving you some sort of entertainment during your workday or something like that. It's, it's very uh, it's very powerful to me.
0: Yeah, getting getting to meet people who actually listen to the bat. I mean, we, we ran into Russell boy like four times over the weekend yeah. and every time it was a delight uh, that that was like a, a really nice takeaway from the con. Even if the con wasn't for legacy players, just like uh, the other thing, too, was that that is fun is every time we go to events, uh, people are you are you are recognized more for your voice than for <laughs> you. You know, it's like nobody knows who you are until you open your mouth. And it's like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Every yeah, like, I,
1: I, well, that, specifically, I think with with Russell was that he he doesn't li- he doesn't watch the podcast, he listens. So uh, yeah, uh, shout out shout out to that. Uh, but yeah, I guess we have very distinctive voices, which is uh, really funny. It's it's pretty cool to say, yeah. to just what, realize that that's what's going on.
0: I don't know who said it. I don't remember who commented it. But my one of my favorite things ever on the podcast was somebody was like, "Holy shit." I did not know, realize that you guys look the way you do. And they were like, what did you think we looked at? And they were like, I don't know. We thought you were like super fat and bald and weird looking. Like well, they thought I was like uh, a child. You know? <laughs> Yeah. They they're thought like... you were a little kid and they thought that like, I was some kind of like, uh, just, they, they thought I was like some giant dude. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm just, we're, we're just, we're just legacy bros doing legacy yeah. stuff. Yep. And they're like, it's so different. Like, you know, and I, now I'm like, you know, when when you listen to any other podcast and you've just like made this cartoon in your head of like what the people you're listening to sound like, if they have any kind of distinctive voice, and it's like, you know, how, how far off you can be and how that would change if you knew what they looked like, like, does your experience change if you're not listening to the cartoon you made up in your head anymore, you know? yeah. Um, uh, I hope that I hope that anybody who hasn't watched, who only listens to the pod and hasn't seen any of the videos, don't don't watch the videos. Then keep that keep <laughs> that cartoon in your head alive.
1: You guys still think uh, I'm like a, a 15 year old?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Zach Zach is clearly just a you know he's just coming out of his adolescence. I am on the end of end of end of the road. I'm towards the end of my days, and uh, you know that's that's the pod.
1: Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So Sunday. Um, you know, Phil, Phil took off. Uh, I went back to the con and, um, it was really cool. I got to hang out with, uh, some guys from my old local, uh, cause I, I just ran into, I just ran into them as I was going into the con and we did a team draft of cons, which was super fun. Like that, that just brought me back to 2014. Uh, it was, uh, uh, me and Garrett Gardner and Richard Tan versus, uh, Garrett's podcast partner. Now I can't remember the name of the podcast. We'll pop that up here. Um, and you know, we just got to BS a little bit about like what, you know, where we've been for the last four years or whatever. And, uh, and it was just super cool to hang out with people that like, I hadn't seen in a while and get that, like, get that real nostalgic draft experience going too. that was, that was so, so much fun. And the other guys, uh, that we, uh, hung out with, uh, dirt, you know, during the, uh, the draft, that was, that was super fun too. And then, I went. Uh, I went and played more Commander. Uh, I sat down with Phil Gallagher. Play, played played uh, the uh, Watcher in the Water deck again. Phil was on Dalia, and uh, Phil uh, Phil was was pushing to end the game, like on turn like four or five. He got out a ba- Bane Fire Bale Fire Dragon, uh, and copied yep. it a bunch of times and attacked. And I had a uh, uh, Aether Spouts, so I Aether Spouts his board, but like. He was going to just run over everybody at one point. And then the guy who won, uh, there was like an L's deck and a life gain deck. Uh, and the guy who won was the life gain deck because he put out Feldar Sovereign. And uh, I could only, I nimble obstruction to the first trigger, but we, I must have drawn like 40 cards in the next turn and couldn't figure out a way to get rid of it. And yeah, that was, uh, I mean for the most part, that was, that was the, the weekend, you know, we just played magic, hung out. Uh, you know, I said my goodbyes to everybody. I thanked everybody that, uh, I had seen. And, uh, you know, went back, I went back to the hotel, ate, had a, had a, uh, pork chop dinner. And, you know, that was, that was my weekend.
0: Yeah. The takeaway at the end of it is, uh, Vegas has some of the best pancakes in the world. (laughs) Holy shit.
1: I mean, so we stayed at the Boulder station Inn, which was a little off the beaten path, but let me tell you the value there. Like one, it has, we have the casino access, it, relatively quiet casino in comparison. It, it, it's it's
0: it's an old timey casino that clearly hasn't been updated in forty years. Everybody's yeah. smoking inside. It's actually like it, everything is brown and dark, and they don't yeah. let you know what time of day it is. Yeah, and it's 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 like if you are not eighty two years old, it is not the place for you. However. Man, you, do they have a hell of a diner in there! Yeah, man? They,
1: they well, they had like a, a pretty decent Mexican restaurant. They had, uh, they had that di- the diner was just like, I mean, it was what, what was it? Uh, the grill special was like nine dollars for like three pancakes, three eggs, and uh, bacon or sausage loops. The place is called the Brass Fork, and if that place was anywhere
0: even remotely close to me. I would be there every single day of my life. Yeah. I would I would eat so many pancakes I would turn into the cartoon that that person envisioned I looked like when they heard my voice for the first time. <laughs> like it was like I could eat those pancakes every day. Oh my lord.
1: Yeah. Uh and and like you know that was that was the thing is like you know we we wanted to stay off the beaten path a little bit so that we could you know we could save some money and i didn't realize how much money we were going to save because you know we went out to dinner with we went to that french restaurant with uh with the eternal glory guys and um you know it was a 100 dollar night uh well worth it it was t- tasty food but like i think every other meal we had was uh, was around 10 dollars you know like uh yeah, so that- then that was the hack really
0: it's also like you know you you gotta have the experience you gotta shell out one time when you're at the con you gotta have like one of the for for one of the high-end food places right like what is this world if you're not eating good cuisine exactly Uh, but like you know if if we were like hey guys we, we we have to get the the top cuisine in the area and somebody was like and it's the griddle special at brass fork i'd be like hell yeah fuck yeah it is yeah uh-huh. It was it was it was an absolute delight that place. And they were the only place I was up in 24 hours, which is also excellent. Yeah. It's just like that 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 is my takeaway. Altars and pancakes. Yeah, altars and pancakes.
1: <laughs> uh shout out to uh Joe Cherry's, uh Christian and Amara. Uh we we went out for uh like Indian food on uh Sunday night. Uh the Indian food place was super good, good samosas. Uh, you know, had some, just had some really good conversation, like 90s nerd conversation with Amara about like Mr. Science Theory 3000 and horror movies and stuff. That was a blast. Um, and then the next, the next morning I already talked about the brunch we did, uh, at MGM Grand. It was like, the, that was the first like real buffet I've ever done. So I had sushi and pancakes in the same meal. The com- yeah.
0: Combination, ble- blessing of a combination for sure. Uh,
1: fu- and then final note. So I I I was like, you know what? I haven't I haven't like blown the load on this on this uh uh you know th- this trip, so I can afford to take out a hundred dollars and I'll gamble with a hundred dollars. And we sat down at the one two no limit hold'em table, uh, and uh, about four or five hands in, uh, nerd girl uh, goes all in, and I and I looked at my hand. It was pocket fours. I was like, this might be the only time I get to. I, I get like a decent hand. I think I kind of have to go in for this. So I went all in. Then the guy next to me went all in. Then the guy next to them went all in. And so uh, it was like $500 was like in the pot. And, uh, you know, it finally gets to the end. And uh, I didn't hit. I had just a pair of fours. Uh, I think Nergro had uh, Ace King and caught the Ace on the river and took the whole pot before that, the guy like over to the end was going to take the pot. So it was awesome to see like, you know, sure, shitty, I lost, but like the money stayed in the crew, which was good. And like, it, like, I think she like quadrupled up, which was pretty rad.
0: That's the, that's the way to close it out, right? You get to play, you get to play yeah. a, another card game and you know, Hey man, think about like, you know, you spent a hundred on a really memorable moment at the card table yeah. and right. that would have been your, that would have been your entry at a Grand Prix. And if you didn't top eight at the Grand Prix, it would have been the same way.
1: And I wouldn't have known who I was giving the money to. Yeah, right. <laughs> the Grand Prix, right? Uh, and then and then I went back to my hotel and hit the pool. Uh, and uh, oh, one of the cool things was that they they let me like this is the other great thing about the motor station. And uh, before we sign off completely, I went back to the hotel. And was like, hey, I don't fly out until eleven p.m. Any chance I can just like use the pool and like put my stuff in the back? And they're like, we can just give you a room to like uh, put your stuff in. Uh, you know, for until until you leave and then that way you'll have a place to, like, crash for for a moment if you need to. And I was like, this is amazing, you know? Like, they just, like, totally hooked it up. I went, you know, hung out in the pool, grabbed a beer, just had, like, an IPA by the pool, did a cannonball, you know? Uh, and, uh, you know, it was just, like, a nice little thing. Went back to the airport, and uh, my flight was only delayed by an hour, which wasn't the worst. And That's, uh, not, that's not running too bad. Yeah. I,
0: I, I was the— del- my 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 first flight back was delayed that I missed my connection and then had to roll over. Oof, uh, that's the worst. Fortunately, though, I caught that that rollover, which was the I got one of the last three seats on the last flight of the night back to LaGuardia. Oh, so had, had I not been there as one of those last three, I would have been rolled over to the next morning. In Charlotte, uh, where I would not have had a place to stay, no, I would, you know, because no. it was late at night. So it would have just been okay. I guess we're sleeping on the airport floor. Had I not caught that last fight. so we were running hot at the end. We were was that hot Tom
1: Hanks movie where he's like stuck in the airport? Could have been like Castaway. cast No, not Castaway. <laughs> castaway is not the one where he's stuck in the airport. No, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like Castaway, pretty, but for airports. No, no, dude, I'm pretty sure he was
0: stuck in the airport in <laughs> Castaway. I'm, I'm pretty sure he like you had he a like volleyball lands. with you. Yeah, yeah, he's just like yeah. he's just like talking to TSA. He's like, "Please, I gotta get on this plane." They're like, "Sorry, we we're, yeah. we're not actually
1: here." But yeah, that was our experience at uh, MagicCon Vegas. Uh, ten and ten. Would would MagicCon Vegas again? Actually,
0: um, I am I, I'm very excited. What, what this con showed me was the one thing that I really was like longing for because the con was awesome. The only thing I was longing for was like a competitive legacy event. That's really what I wanted. Uh, and so it just hyped me up even more for Eternal Weekend. So. Yeah. Uh, if, 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 if you're listening to this and you were like on the fence about whether or not to go to Eternal Weekend, Eternal, Week- Eternal Weekend is always great. But it's like, you know, now having gone to the other cons, like I realize like, yeah, Eternal Weekend is really the highlight of the year for uh, Eternal Magic. And it's like, if you can make it, you should swing it.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that does it for us, everybody. Uh, like, subscribe, comment, all that stuff. Comment below if you were at the con and we missed you. Uh, comment if you're going to Eternal Weekend. What are you bringing? Uh, that's it for us. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks. Hey, thanks for watching, and you can check out that full video of the uh, Q&A with Studio X right here. Thanks for watching.
3: Like and subscribe. All that stuff. Thanks so much. Bye.